my fellow wanderers in the night. Welcome back to Wormwood, a serialized mystery. I'm David Acampo, and I'm bringing to you the second installment of our Wormwood Portraits post-mortem discussion series. In this installment, we're going to tackle the first half of a writer's discussion that we had via Skype a few days ago. Um, we took listener questions, and the thing ran so long that we've decided that it's going to be better if we break it into two parts. So in the first half, we today's episode, we're going to kind of talk about portraits on our own terms. I sort of lead the roundtable discussion, and we talk about how we got here and, and the experience with it. And then in the second installment, we will um, feel the listener questions. The listener questions were awesome. Thank you so much for those of you who supplied questions to the Facebook page and also the Wormwood Forum. Gave us some great talking points. Now, as a typical writer's room discussion, you're going to see it just how silly it gets. Um, I left in all the technical difficulties, including some funky scraping microphones and uh, a, a, a participant who couldn't even speak. So <laughs> you're going to see just how crazy it gets. Um, one last thing I want to talk about before we go into that. You know, a lot of the questions that we get, a lot of people curious about the series Bible, about the blueprint, the roadmap. We use those terms a lot because you want to know just how it is that we come to this, uh, you know, how it is that we develop the show and everything like that. Well, the other night I was privileged enough to see author Neil Gaiman speak at UCLA, and I know a lot of you are fans of Mr. Gaiman, so you're so jealous right now, but that's not why I'm talking to you. Um, it was very interesting to me. He fielded a question about how do you work? Do you write from beginning to end? And he, he said he mostly did, and he, and he said that, you know, outlines, outlining and then writing from an outline seems akin to eating reconstituted soup, <laughs> which I loved that, and it really resonated with me having just written a novel and kind of knowing myself enough now to know that I needed to surprise myself. I, I set out with a destination in mind, but how I would get there is a mystery. It's very similar with Wormwood. We obviously have had to map out a few more beats, but working with this insane group of individuals, part of the reason that, that I enjoy collaborating so much is because... I'm not just waiting to see what I'm going to do next or what the characters are going to do next. I'm waiting to see what these writers are going to do next. So we do leave a lot of room to surprise ourselves and not just surprise. I'm not here just to surprise myself with what comes next, but to surprise Rob or Jeremy or Tiffany or Jeremiah or Paul with what comes next. And, you know, that's what really makes Wormwood a fun trip is to get into these writers' discussions and to sit there and surprise each other with what pops out, you know? A person says A, another person says, well, A plus B, another person says, oh my god, that equals C, and we're off and running. So, I just wanted to mention that because that, that really occurred to me the other night, and it's not something we really talked about here, but uh, you are going to see... <laughs> You are going to see how we talk about things and uh, how into it we get, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. So, without further ado, I'm going to set you up for the first half of our Wormwood Writers Discussion right now. And welcome to our Writers Discussion section of our post-mortem chat. As, as I said before, this is David Acampo, and I'm here today with a few of the writers, uh, on the left of my virtual roundtable circle, I've got Jeremy Rogers. Hello. And then we've got Rob Alspaugh. Hello. 
and live via satellite because she can't get her microphone to work. We have Tiffany Whitney, who is typing her answers, which we will read on the air. She says, like, hi, fans. <laughs> All right. So with the introductions out of the way, we are here tonight to talk about Wormwood Portraits. Finally. And Tiffany ensures you all that she exists. So we're going to talk about Wormwood Portraits, which, as I mentioned in, in the introduction uh, postmortem episode, took a little bit longer than expected to get out. Um, but I think overall we're really happy with the way the portraits turned out. And uh, we wanted to talk with the writers and just um, you know, really discuss what went on in the creation and production of these, of these episodes. Whoa, who's making noise? <laughs> all right. So anyway, so let's just start by, by discussing it. Um, Jeremy and I were the whoa. <laughs> Jeremy, I think that's you making sounds. What happened? I don't know. I just hear a lot of noise. Like right. is it like is it the microphone? Yeah, I think so. There was just a lot of noise there for a minute. Like a lot of moving around. <laughs> or maybe it's the headphones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've derailed and we're like thirty seconds into it. And Tiffany Come says, on, is it the microphone really? What do you think it could be? I don't know how this works. <laughs> and Tiffany adds in, like, I'm not the only one having mic problems. Rock on. <laughs> We're this, is audio audio show. this is an we audio show. We this. don't have to understand this stuff. <laughs> this is audio gold right here, people. Yes. <laughs> right. Getting back on track. Okay, so Wormwood Portraits was a little bit different. As you know, we divided up season three into three volumes. We had Wormwood and the Five Fingers of Glory, which was our prose audio anthology. That was really kind of experimental for us. Then we kind of surprised you. We came back with Portraits, which was back to the audio drama. But instead of going back to the style of season one and season two, we Portraits were more character studies. They were a chance for us to delve into some of the characters. And I should also mention at this point that if you are listening to this and you are not caught up on portraits, you really need to uh, tune out and come back later after you finish because we are, there are going to be some spoilers here and we are going to talk a little bit about behind the scenes stuff, uh, including some of our decisions in this. Um, what I recall is that I was looking at what we had left to tell in our story and I was feeling like with ch the change up of doing the Five Fingers of Glory as an anthology that we actually had an opportunity to do something a little different with our storytelling. Um, and, and I thought that, you know, we have all these new characters we had introduced in season two. Uh, you know, season one was a mystery novel, a serialized mystery novel. Season two was sort of our chance to expand that myth, that mythos, that mythology, you know, the landscape of Wormwood, the characters within. So we threw a lot at you. So with portraits, we decided it'd be kind of interesting to tell done in one stories that got it to the heart of the characters that we, that, especially characters I think this is the way I pitched it to you guys, characters that we did not uh, really dive into, so, so characters that weren't the main characters, um, or ones that we'd introduced but not had a lot of time to really develop in the ways that they really needed to be developed. And so what we did is we, we built up these portraits while kind of subtly moving the... Uh, subtly moving the plot forward but really focusing more on the characters with the idea that that would give us the whole foundation to move into the final chapter which would just be the balls to the wall apocalyptic action finale so um jeremy i don't know do you remember uh anything more to that conversation and how we kind of came about with that no it's been a while um yeah i think we all just got so attached to some of these some of these characters that this was really the chance to take the time to explore that um 
I know we talked a lot about making sure that we did move the story forward as we were doing this. Um, and some episodes do it a lot more than others. Uh, but I think there's movement in everything that I think, think there's movement in all, in all of these eight episodes here. Um, yeah, I think we want to how, how, how we yeah, um, I'm trying to think how we divided up like you know which characters we were going to focus on. I think a lot of that was just who had certain attachments to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that goes to uh, Rob. Uh, Rob, you you know, uh, Commander McQueen was a character that you introduced, and I think was that your idea? Was that the one you were waiting to get to and kind of tell her story, or what was your uh, idea there? Because I think that one was all on you. Yeah, I like that was I, a great I, episode too. By the way, oh, thank you. I, that was a I really. really I, good I really like the the, SN, the SNSA and and the Commander McQueen. I think there's a lot of rich, rich storytelling there, and I like the fact that we were able to, while telling her story, her story, be able to go back through and tell a lot more of Crow's backstory, and to see how he, you know, kind of what got him started on his journey into into the Wormwood world, and um um. I've always been, you know, she's she's always been that one character that I that I uh, developed and went. I, I I can't do anything with her in the main storyline, but when Dave suggested Portress, I went, well, that's that would be a great way to bring her about and to kind of show uh, the 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 mechanisms behind mm-hmm. what was driving our other two agents, and you know, just you know, just got a nice little glimpse into uh, into beyond the town of Wormwood and what the world is like outside of Wormwood. That's really a corner that we've let you develop. I mean, you introduced the SNSA and we kind of let you run with it for the most part. And um, yeah, I, I, I seem to recall that was a great, I should also mention that Rob is sort of our unofficial continuity guru. He he loves to draw <laughs> ties to different things, and he loves to pull things out of the series Bible and say, "Hey, hey, did did anybody connect these dots yet? Did anybody um tie this part together yet?" And so I think for you, the the McQueen episode was a great way to dive into her character, but also really tell a lot of Crow's backstory and make connections that were never made before. So I think you had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, that was that's that to me. That's been the most fun part about this whole Wormwood experience is is making the connections and drawing them out and looking at what all the other writers have written and kind of pulling it all together. I'm not saying that I'm like master supreme editor because Dave does a fantastic job taking five or six different writers and, and making all the stories and writing styles fit together. But I just I, I I like seeing those connections. It's why I'm a huge fan of Lost and can't can't wait till Tuesday night. You know, <laughs> I love Tuesday? all. The... I thought it was Wednesday. No, it's Tuesday, Tuesday night. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about that show. I, I heard it's like a real wormwood ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, and, and and speaking of moving the plot forward, Jeremy, you mentioned that. I think your part in this uh, was largely. Uh, moving forward a plot that you set in motion at the end of season two, which was the fate of Crow and Sparrow. You, you kind of added on this bizarre ending to season two, and then we really were forced to follow through with that. So your experience was kind of finding characters that you wanted to delve into while figuring out how what to do with Crow and Sparrow, who, spoiler <laughs> alert, were dead at the end of season two. So do you want to speak to that at all? And, and, and uh, he sure, also sure. found a way to make the listener as uncomfortable as possible <laughs> while listening to the audio drama. No kidding. <laughs> Excellent. I, thought, well, I you know, thought the necromancy scene was bad, and then you brought out that. <laughs> you know, I, I tried to keep that as vague as possible, so... How do you do that in audio? You know, the the rebirthing of 
some bodies. But um, no, back in <laughs> back, back in season two, I I I stayed out of the final uh, couple episodes. I didn't want to really touch anything because I, I wanted to write that one really weird you know end piece. Because I don't think I touched any of the like final six. Six episodes or so of, of the last batch. I, I intentionally stayed away. Um, I, I think the only thing I said was I, I think I asked you, Dave, to make sure that when you're done writing your episode before that, to get Crow and Sparrow out of the house. Right. Because right. I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to touch anything else, and everything else just kind of kind of flowed from that. Um, the Brezier episode I intended to put somewhere in season two, if you recall. That's why we only have 23 episodes instead of 24. For I forgot about that. For, you're right. That for was, season, yeah. It, yeah. It was supposed to be then, and I just I couldn't find a way to work it in. It just it didn't make sense to to put it anywhere in season two. It would have completely thrown off. I think it was supposed to be episode eleven or something like that. Just oddly placed, you know, in the middle of the season. And well, we had just we had gained so much momentum through the back third of season two. Yeah, where we had we had every plot point converging at once. Exactly. And exactly. It was, and we just, you know, there, there really was no place to put that story until the very end. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, um, with 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 Crow and Sparrow dying, that didn't really kind of come into mind until pretty pretty late in the writing of that episode. And Brezier was always supposed to be in the picture. Mm-hmm. So when when portraits came up, you know, and, and they were dead, and Brezier's story was tied in now fully with what I'd kind of been playing in the background um, from the very first episode of season one. Um, it just seemed natural. Brezier was the perfect portrait episode for me to kind of jump into and really, really go wild as much as I possibly could with the character. Um, yeah. So listeners can parse from that that uh, while we do have a blueprint for the entire series, uh, there are definitely things that we do along the way that we don't expect, like killing Sparrow and Crow at the end of season two. <laughs> you know, and, and and it's weird too because you, you don't want to make light of the death of, of a character. You want you want the death to matter. And if 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 you kill somebody, then you bring them back a few episodes later. You know, there's really no weight to it. But I thought in in this I case, I wish someone would tell that to Marvel Comics. <laughs> it, it just you know, I mean, we, we've had people come comment on it before and I mean, it, it, it happens you know with, with lots of different properties it's just for this case it worked um not so much for the crow and sparrow story as as, as it worked to to tell brezier's story and i i think that is, is a good trade-off for the for the, the the quick change back to get the two two leads back in the picture you know mm-hmm. well that's um, that was that was another thing that i really liked about what we did with portress was that we managed to move the main story forward in ways that we wouldn't have been able to do had we started out like a season two or a, yeah. or a season one. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we talked early on about, about five fingers and about portraits and, and how, you know, we can do a season this way if we want to, we're not a TV show. We can suddenly change everything up if, if we feel like it. And if you think it, it, and it serves as an interesting way to keep telling the story. We're not bound by doing this hour-long sort of you know format. We can, we can do a prose section. We we can do you know these standalone character pieces, and it's all cool. But the story does continue to to build. Absolutely, yeah, you're absolutely right. We're we're expressing our independent uh, spirit there, and, and and it's true. I mean. W- Everything, if you wonder why we chose to switch things up, I mean, part of the reason was the fact that I think we realized with what we had left to tell, uh, it wasn't the kind of thing where we could do 24 episodes of plot, 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 you know? So within that, we knew that we had introduced a lot of characters, and so I think we really kind of wanted to be able to 
tell some different types of stories. I mean, okay, I'm going to tell you something right now. I listened to Jeremy's episode 23 at the end of season two, at the end of season two, yes. And it was done, he edited it a little bit differently. At the same time, I happened to be watching (laughs) an episode (laughs) of the show Supernatural. And it was an episode in which, uh, where they do this sort of reality TV show thing, these characters called the Ghost Facers, where they're like a Ghost Hunters type show. And I, I loved the way they handled it and just completely did the entire episode in a different style from what had gone before. And so that's where the Jimmy Details episode, the uh, the minstrel's tale came from, was, was me looking at those and going, hey, you know what? We don't have to stick by the formula. And I really wanted to do that. And so I think that's what launched in my head. You know, you know what? We can take all these port- – we can take portraits and we can just do something different with each one. And um, – and Tiffany, feel free to type in anything about the episodes you worked on at this point. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that shortly. Thus far, all Tiffany has added to the uh, conversation has been like, Crow and Sparrow died? Oh, my God. And then my sarcasm is lost in this typing. So at any rate, so so what I do also remember is, um, and this is going to be a lot of a, a spoiler uh, alert here, and this is a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that you may or may want, not want to know, but our final portrait uh, was the hermit's tale which Jonesy's tale now this one was kind of outrageous I'm gonna admit right here that Jonesy was not always that character I mean he that was not always his backstory that was something that we there were there were several things that were in the series Bible and Rob knows this because he kept trying to write Jonesy doing these incredible dialogues <laughs> about uh. the Maidu tribe and uh, and coyote and world maker and stuff like that, which was in the series Bible, by the way. Now, one um, of these days, I'll actually get to tell the entire to- entire tale. But <laughs> well, you notice I set you up nicely for that with the first yes. tale. So the other thing was in the that was in the series Bible was uh, the idea that uh, perhaps the the object had come to Wormwood many years ago, possibly by a Viking sailing across to North America, et cetera, et cetera. I don't remember the exact thing, but I remember pitching to these guys that Jonesy would suddenly emerge from the woods with a broadsword and chainmail and start hacking things to pieces. And and, and, and every and it was just this image in my mind that there's this amazing story that we can tell there, you know, and, and really give Jonesy some new uh, to flesh him out further. And uh, and everybody sort of jumped on it and said, yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. So we went with it. So, well, I mean, that's something that came out because we were looking at the characters and looking at a way to do you know what portraits to set out to do so yeah i like i like the jonesy story a lot because up until that point he was simply um kind of a mechanism for information for for the story uh for the audience it was you know it was to get some information to crow at, in the first season i i can't remember how we exactly we used him in the second season but um but we didn't really, we, we never really touched on him, and and I always thought he was such a fun character to write for, and it and it seemed kind of a shame that we wouldn't get to him. And then Dave came up with the the broadsword and the chainmail and bursting through the woods and That's something nobody had any idea was coming. You know? <laughs> no, and everybody went. There's no way oh <laughs> you could expect that, and yet it no. works, right? I mean, that, it, that's yeah, the thing. no, it it. It, it it blends it blends in very well with what we've created so far. And and as I was writing that, I mean, just the connections, you know, Rob, as you know, you're always trying to connect things. I mean, the connections were really coming fast. In that, uh, I know Tiffany had mentioned this in the past that she really enjoyed this episode because it allowed, um, it, it gave us the backstory we needed on why everything is happening in Wormwood. 
you know, why why Wormwood? It gave us that. It it gave us that, and also, you know, it allowed us. It 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 gave Jonesy a, a good backstory, and that he now is a character that that, that uh, has suffered a great deal of loss and has a lot of guilt and everything like that, and 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 it also ties now to Jacob's story a little bit. So we were able to really tie everything else, and uh, and and Tiffany adds that it's the Hellmouth moment, just like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, <laughs> and and that, that you know, and that was we always had a reason in the series Bible that the object was there and it was brought there for for you know it was brought there at some point. We just didn't know that it was Jonesy early on, and that was something that developed. It was one of those you know, as you guys all said, it was one of those spur of the moment ideas that just suddenly clicked into place. As long as you have, as long as you have a framework that you're you're referencing, it's nice to be able to have those, to, to have that freedom to run with something like that and 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 make it work. You know, have that loose framework that that, that keeps the structure, mm-hmm. and then then you're open to yeah to do a Viking tale, which is just <laughs> I know I, that was my favorite. <laughs> but 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 it but it it, it maintains. The discipline still that the Bible sort of you know established early on. It, it's it's not it's not a cheat to the season. I mean, it, it's actually the season or the the show supports that sort of creativity. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and I want to mention um, we don't have Jeremiah Allen or Paul Montgomery with us tonight. Um, uh, but I want to mention their their episodes briefly. Um, I know that Paul had developed the ghost characters much the same way that Rob developed the SNSA, and we kind of let him run with that. Paul's characters are these sort of ghost characters that he created in uh, in season two, and I know that he was really interesting interested in um, in in bringing back um, you know the ghosts and doing something with it. And so we found a way to do a Deidre story that kind of really fleshes out her backstory, but also at the same time um, allows her him to play with the ghosts a little bit more. And that was a really interesting episode, um, one that took place almost entirely in, in Deidre's mind. Uh, you know, and, and and I think a lot. Uh, there were a few people on the forum that really loved that episode. Just really resonated with them. The the use of ghosts and the the storytelling. So that was a great one. And with Jeremiah, we were able to really dive into a couple stories that have been a long time coming. One was Bishop Grail's story. Um, Bishop Grail is an interesting character because. Jeremiah had introduced him originally, and then we hadn't really been able to do too much with him. And the way things worked out, I ended up writing a lot of his story in season two. But I was very concerned because I, I, even though even though Jeremy and I are kind of kind of run the show overall, we really like to respect what the writers have come up with. You know what what they've added to it. You know, as with the ghosts and the SNSA, and I didn't want to do too much, but I knew that Bishop Grail really needed a story. So as it worked out, I kind of wrote out the beats for the story, but then Jeremiah fleshed it out and then handed it back. And I think Tiffany and uh, Jeremy and I took a little pass at it. And that was a real collaborative episode. And I'm very happy with the way that one came out. That one to me feels like a lost episode. One of those things where, you know, you learn, you learn everything about the character through flashbacks and and, and coming up to the present and everything like that. And uh, I was really happy with the way that one came out. So uh, those two were really cool. And then um, Jeremiah's other character is, is Cedric. You know, he really took to Cedric very early on in the, in the series. And, um, we were able to bring the bring Cedric's daughter back into the game, which which we had planted the seeds for at the end of season two, which may or may not have been clear because we had a character named Elsa at the end of season two that 
came in with the other vampires, but um, it may not have been clear. Uh, we also changed voice actors uh, between seasons, so that could also throw people off. So she was introduced at the tail end, but here we were able to do a real uh, father-daughter story with The Farmer's Tale, and that was one that we had also been thinking about fitting into season two, and it never quite fit in. And I always said, you know what, this one could really be a quiet episode a real forlorn episode about you know Cedric's uh past and his history and and uh and Jeremiah did a great job of sort of creating a very small episode with just four characters but really milking the emotion out of that there's some great stuff between uh Cedric played by Rob Gringlinger and um and Elsie or Joy Elsa <laughs> she has several names <laughs> played by uh played by newcomer Samantha Turk who did a great job with that character you know that that's a character where you're sitting there telling the actor okay so she's British but she's really a country girl from from home but she's maybe for the last 50 years been a vampire in in England or, or wherever so her accent has to be kind of British but th- that that country country girl has to slip out here and there when she gets emotional and and I think she did a fantastic job with that um, so okay, so that kind of covers our episodes. Do you guys have? Do you guys want to say anything else about the actual production of it? What the what the actors brought to it? Anything like that? Um, assuming you've listened to the episodes, um, Arthur Russell did a fantastic turn as Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in in in, uh, in playing. Um, uh, oh, and his name escapes me now. Raleigh. Uh, yes. who, who Raleigh was playing Xander Crow, and uh, he got a slip back and forth between those two voices. I thought he did a fantastic job with that. Yeah, just now that's I mean, the that's the only other voice he's done, isn't it? I believe so. Arthur, yes. Arthur? Arthur's only done. No, Ar- Arthur. Oh, he, oh, yeah. He's so he's so great at 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 Crow that I think we always felt like you know he's got to always be Crow, and and so this yeah. was a chance where okay, wait, here's the thing: a ghost playing Crow. So let's let's give let's give uh, uh, Arthur a shot at, at yeah. it and just knocked it out of the park. So yeah, I have to say that that. Writing the first season was, or writing the first part of the first season was interesting because we hadn't had the voices yet to work within our heads as we wrote the scripts. And for me, that was, it, for me, it was interesting when I actually heard all the voice actors, and it made writing that much easier because these guys, all these guys, are fantastic and have really with their voice talents, really, really made Wormwood come alive. And it's and it's really it's fun to hear you know, their take on what you write, you know, it may not have been the inflection you would have used, but the way they've used it is, is 99% of the time spot on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We really do tend to trust our actors at this stage in the game, especially. Um, So Jeremy and I, we kind of let people run with it um, and and, kind of make it their own. Cause I always feel like that's better for the actors. If they can really make it their own, it's, it's always the best. Um, uh, oh, the, uh, the, 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 there is there's there's one part in season two where um, I was writing the uh, the ghost hunter story, and I had a and I had a little the little snippet between of conversation between the between the two agents, and and uh, Chip said something and and all of a sudden Dale breaks out into the nine oh two one oh theme song, <laughs> and I thought that was like that was the most classic part. Of what the voice actors bring, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because absolutely. I, because I never would have thought of that to throw that into my script. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but what the, I mean, that it's just one of the one of those fun little actor moments that you don't see coming, and then you hear it and you start dying. 
I we I had a yeah. lot of fun. I mean, basically when it came to the the hermit's tale, we had you know the I had just basically told the told the actors I said just go crazy with it, let's do it. And uh, I Rob Allen, um, you know who played uh, 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 not Silkbeard. What's the other What's the other one's name? Um, he played the main char- one of the main characters in mm-hmm. uh, in the episode, and he just said, "I'm going to do a full on Sean Connery. Is that okay?" And I'm like, "Hey, go for it. Why not?" <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> you know, this is all theater of the mind filtered through Wayne Drexel, you know, who, whose idea of a period movie would be Highlander. So I figure, you know, <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with Highlander. <laughs> no, no, no. But you, nothing but you wrong have, with the first one. <laughs> you have a you have a French well, French well, actor. Yeah. You have a French actor playing a uh, a Scottish character and a Scottish actor playing a, uh, a Egyptian, Spaniard. A Egyptian by way of Spain, I think, is the yeah. full. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so so accents are all out there. Well, you know, with 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 Brezier's episode, the the entire reason I wanted to come up with uh, the Miss Ginter character was I was I was concerned with having an entire episode done with with a Peter Lorre voice. I thought it would, I thought it would be too much for 45 minutes worth of an episode. So I wanted him to have a straight person that sort of bounces dialogue off of. And then so Bryony comes in and she's like, "Well, I can do a Cindy Lauper voice to to counter his Peter Lorre, <laughs> which it doesn't sound like that would work. You know, it, it kind of com- completely goes against what I originally had in mind. I wanted I wanted a straight voice for the character because she has so much dialogue to kind of offset his weird accent. And she comes in and she's very brash and she's very, you know, I mean, she's, she's Cindy Lauper and I didn't expect it. And, you know, when I went back to edit everything, it was great. It, it worked really well. What Sorry, was that? Hold on guys. I'm letting the phone ring. Cause I'm trying to get Tiffany back in. Okay. She's back in, but let's see if we can hear her on the microphone. Tiffany, you out there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, so she's listening to us again, but uh, still no microphone. So <laughs> we'll continue on. I'm sorry. So, uh, Jeremy, you were saying about um, about uh, 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 Miss Ginter. Yes, that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it was it was really good. I mean, it, it was a blast to watch that happen. You know, because it, 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 that episode took a long time to record. Um, but just just how off the wall all that was. I mean, I don't think there was one normal voice in the entire episode. Then 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 Ben comes in with the the um, the really bad, awkward SNSA agent. He's supposed to be bad at his job, and he does this weird sort of. I'm not even sure what kind of accent that was. It was way over the top when when he's being tortured. Now, I I didn't use it in in the final cut, but he's being tortured, and he actually yells out, "Yowza!" really loud <laughs> as, as as he's being heard, and it's so funny. Everything is everything was odd, and it worked so well. So I. I know you were I worried like about that early on. You were worried about. I wonder how they're going to sound together when. But you brought it into the recording, into the into the editing suite, and we're like, okay, it works. <laughs> it, it, it works. You know, so so much the, so much of the characters, we know what they sound like, and we we pretty much know what we're getting, or we, we know pretty much how it's going to sound. You know, when we're writing it, that one I had no clue. I, I was completely surprised. And the same with a lot of these episodes, I would imagine with with um portraits with 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 the vikings and with you know the shifting accents a couple different characters do that throughout these portraits Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh, this one actually had some surprises when we when we went back and and then pulled the files on the on the computers to work on them it was there there were some pleasant surprises (laughs) yeah but i think overall i I think overall it's a strong batch Uh, I, i think you know Admittedly, a few people have been concerned. They they want to know what's going on with the plot. You know what's happening, and I, you know, honestly, we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're making it up. Can <laughs> you uh, can, 
anybody out there just send us suggestions really, really? I, we're stuck <laughs> this is this is why we're here to be honest with you we have i've zero got we lost some time and now we're doing. the the series bible just actually has one page where it says the object colon and then there's a picture of a rubik's cube so yes. you know i We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out somehow. And it's not a colon as a punctuation mark. It's an actual colon. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, we're trying to leave some things a mystery. <laughs> you just spoiled the whole ending. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, no. Well, we, we're we, done. Sorry. We, <laughs> we no, have, I'm sticking we... to what we decided. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm completely game for not a- answering what the object is. I, I think I think people are going to like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. you, just, you just pissed off a whole bunch of listeners right now. We're going to no, fade no. to black and then play a Journey song. Is that cool? <laughs> nice. You know, a full cast singing the Journey song. Worm, oh, Wormwood is just all a snow globe, a child's snow globe, right? Holding a snow globe. <laughs> no, um, so we, we do have a plan. We do have a plan. But really, I mean, as Jeremy and, and said earlier. To be on, honest with you, that plan is, is that we're going to watch Lost. <laughs> and whatever they do, we're just going to straight-ass copy. Or nice. Go, or go the opposite way. It depends on audience reaction. <laughs> oh, that's if, true. If Lost works, exactly. If the finale <laughs> yes. works for them, then cool. Then that's totally our finale. I was, you ours, know, I, ours I, work I, as well. I, I got to say, say one thing about season two, though, um, while we're on the subject. I was terrified of, of uh, Chip and Dale becoming Nikki and Paulo. <laughs> <laughs> terrified that we had just introduced... So much mythology, so many new characters. We 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 didn't take the plot much further than we were originally going to, anyways. But it felt like we had really changed it up, and I'm really thankful that it really worked well. Yeah, I mean, really. I think that's something that I sometimes see uh, uh, as people talk about season two that it was overwhelming in the sense that that you know the mysteries were all over the place and stuff like that. But I think you know we definitely had a plan as we as we plotted it out, and it was one of those things that um, that where, where we just knew that the second act of this overarching story was going to be expanding that that mythos that that landscape. As I said, you know, it, it, to me, it's kind of like you know Star Wars. You start off and it's you know you create this world and and, and then and then you want to spend some time exploring that world and expanding it laterally. And that's kind of what I felt like we did with season two, and then with the portraits that allowed us to now take some of our incremental characters that were incrementally added as we went along and kind of dive into them and tell them you know or 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 characters that you didn't really expect i mean jeremy did the criminal's tale which was all about don marino who we knew about since season one episode one um but we never really got to know him as a character he was always a presence you know and Mm. and 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 so jeremy got to milk some real good emotional stuff out of uh, don marino really flesh him out as a character so you know i'm really happy with what we did i think i was telling you about characters I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, it just popped in my head. I think I was telling you about how um, since that episode wraps back around to the very first episode of season one, um, the last couple minutes, you know, or, or the very first scene, I, I think I told you that I, when I went back to edit that, I did it kind of how I edited the first episode where the sound effects are too loud, the music's way too loud, the, you know, <laughs> everything's intentionally a, a, just a little amped up, you know, over eager. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, no, no, I, I, I don't, it works. And I don't think anybody's going to catch it, but it, it, it's a nice little nod, I think, for us, you know, that it's, it's <laughs> yeah. edited kind of badly. It's one of those little <laughs> internal geek things where, you know, <laughs> we, we, well, we that was... smoothed out our process, our production process as we've gone along in little ways, but, uh, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, to, well, to go back to the beginning is pretty funny. Well, that was that was always kind of like the most gratifying part about the whole process is that everybody I've spoken to, 
either friends or fans or, or random people that on on the message boards and the like that um there's there's been no complaints about about the content it's been about the technical difficulties at the beginning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we haven't had any complaints like oh this sounds like blah 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 and i can't believe you're using this guy it, it, we haven't had any any type of complain about the content of our of our work it's the technical aspect yeah, for, definitely for the most part it's overwhelmingly been positive um when, know, when this entire show is done i'm going to read a book about audio recording learn how to do it properly <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 i can't do it now because we're, we're trying to wrap things yeah, up but i I, addre- done, I addressed this briefly in the introduction um the, the postmortem that actually is up online right now uh, uh the episode we're recording now will come out sometime later this week so for anyone listening oh, to this the, the previous one i did a brief i did a brief um introduction and i kind of mentioned uh, some of the complaints that we get there that there are two that you know the, the audio levels and in fact there was one particular episode this time the uh, the farm Tale, which the uh, the voice levels across the board were a little low. This is partially be, this is partially on me because in in the during the portraits I've gone through three different editing suite changes. Um, I, I've changed computers uh, several times, and because of that, I had to switch programs. And so there's been a learning curve for me each time. And what I did is I went back into the Farmer's Tale, raised the vo- vocal track, and replaced it online. So um, if you haven't already heard this, which I, I mentioned in the last one, you know you can go you can go and re-download that from iTunes and. It sounds much better, you know. It's it's not as quiet as it was. Um, we, yeah, we definitely we do still get knocks here and there, and it's hard for me to tell if people. Uh, the the most recent comments, or I actually engaged in a discussion with somebody. They were talking about season two uh, starting off really well, and then some occasionally the audio levels getting a little um, too loud in, in particular places uh, as, as season two progressed. But I think overall season three has been generally pretty smooth. Um, you know. I, or at least I think it has. I know there was uh, uh, there's a little bit of a quiet phone conversation part in in the Queen's Tale that I, I need to go back and probably remaster a little bit. But um, you know I did fix the Farmer's Tale, so that's something. Again, it's it's really on Jeremy and I. Um, there, there's going to be there's a question about a listener question about this. Um, and in fact, uh, why don't we just address that right now since we're on it? So Pam Falcioni Falcioni. Uh, said that she loves the voice acting in Wormwood series. However, the volume control seems to be an overriding issue that's been present from the start. Some actors are recorded at a much lower level, and others are nearly double their volume. Have you had any other similar complaints? Well, we answered that part. And is there anything you could realistically do to resolve the problem? Um, what I do want to say about that is that, in in my mind, that's really on me and Jeremy, and I think he feels the same way, um, that we want the actors to have the range... Um, to express themselves in the way that they they feel is going to be best. Now we, we have had to say like okay, bring it down a little bit, a little quieter, whatever. But we're we're manually manipulating the vo- the levels of the mics and everything as we go as best we can, and then we're taking it into the editing suite and we're doing all the work. So I, I yeah, I mean you know, we're also we're, we're not recording in a studio. We're recording. These are basically really um, sort of interactive table reads that we're doing. So it's not like we're in this really confined, controlled space. We're getting the actors together. We're letting them kind of bounce off each other a little bit more than what we would do if we had a, a like a recording studio set up. Yeah. Um, it poses poses a few problems when we're editing. Um, actors move away from the mic. Yeah. Some actors, you know. But, but really, you know, ultimately that's the trade-off not ex- is yeah. we, get, we get really good performances out of it and um, yeah. Right, which, which we're, kind of we're matches. Not, we're not we're not audio technicians either, honestly. Right, right, and th- this kind of matches the question. And again, this is not an this is not an excuse. We're just saying it's on us, and we're we're constantly trying to improve it and and, and uh, better our craft. And so hopefully, 
with Wormwood Revelation, maybe we'll actually perfect this darn thing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm very glad that everybody really loves the content for the most part. And, um, uh, you know, like I said, the, the one the one part that, you know, for people that if there's anything that they didn't like in portraits, it was what happened to Rachel? You know, wh- wh- what about the major plot? So, you know, I, I mentioned this in the previous postmortem that I that I posted, as I said, and um <clears throat> and 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 really, the answer to that is wait for Wormwood Revelation. That's going to be the final race to the finish, and it is, uh, you know, I think we laid a lot of the character groundwork with this, and so I think because of that, we um, we because we because we did that there, we can really focus on all the plots, um, you know, throughout. So so sort of like the Matrix, how the <laughs> Matrix movies played out. <laughs> Wait, scratch whoa, that. Scratch whoa. that. Oh, Jeremy's call just dropped out. Whoops. Whoops. Oh. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, no. So, so you know, I, I, I don't know. Do you guys want to say anything about Revelation uh, going into it? Um, just tease it up a little bit? Or uh, should we just drop it from there and let it let it come as it comes? Does anybody want to say anything about it? Um, I like the eight episodes we've broken down so far for Revelations. Good stuff, coming. All right, I think that's fair. I, I mean, I think <laughs> the, I, the meeting the meeting we had um, um, was about a month ago, I guess, when we broke down all the story beats for the first couple episodes. Yeah, um, were really strong. Um, I, I think people are going to like those. They're, they're they're very fast. They're they're very active episodes, but it's not. Like we're just kind of hitting the beats because we have to to wrap things up. They they still feel like organic, fun episodes. Yeah. So I was I, I was pretty thrilled with, with the notes we walked away. With, for those, um, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think I, I think they're going to be really fun. Uh, Tiffany but says, my, my, t- "I'm sorry." Tiffany says, sorry. "Revelations is cool. My episode is the best." Dave, pay attention to me. Okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. Yeah, I was concerned that you know we'd fall into this pattern of just kind of we have to hit these we have to hit these points to wrap everything up, you know, and it, that it would feel mechanical and not as organic as it has been before, and, and it's not going to be quite. As as free as portraits or five fingers or things like that, it's still a very well structured, natural feeling show. So um, I'm I'm happy with with what we have so far. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna start off strong. And what is that? <laughs> that is Rob. Rob is moving his <laughs> Rob is moving his microphone right. around, and he says he has to say goodnight to his daughter. <clears throat> I'm I, I'm back from doing that, and I was trying not to breathe into the microphone. So all, all, all we heard was. <laughs> You know, you know the these episodes of Wormwood where the demon is scratching around in the basement floor of the library. That's basically what we heard. So we're gonna we're gonna cut out this portion of the recording and uh, use that for future episodes. You know, there we go. <laughs> and this is how we do uh, foley work. Yes. Are we gonna have are, are we gonna have more demons in the show? <sighs> that would be uh, that would be telling. That would be telling. That should be a good place to stop for the first half of our writer's discussion show. We'll bring you the second half very soon, and we hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back in town. (laughs) 